0: My Aunt Gertie. I remember my Aunt Gertie well. Her name was Gertrude, of course, but we called her Gertie. Gertie was a perfectionist. She had standards. Her standards were the standards of her day, and she applied them firmly and with an air of righteousness. She helped to raise my mother in part, helped to look after her. My mother's mother was pathologically attached to her own mother, and left her husband taking my baby mum with her. My mother's father crossed the border into the USA and kidnapped mum back to Canada. So my mother was raised by various people, including Gertie. When she grew up and married my dad, my mum used to dread when Gertie came to visit her house. Gertie would check for dust and look under things, looking for imperfections and finding them. She would then call these imperfections to my mother's attention. Now, Phyllis, perhaps you didn't notice, but there are dust bunnies under the couch, etc. Must have been an orgy of housekeeping before she came to call, or, God forbid, if there was an unexpected visit, despair. Gertie was not given to unexpected visits. The premise was, let them do their best, I'll find something wrong. One thing Gertie was into was visiting people in hospital, and then telling them all about the people she had known who had suffered from the same complaint and then died. Eventually, the hospital barred her visits because she was just not cheering the patients up. Another, I guess you could call it hobby of my aunt's, was attending the funerals of people she didn't know. She was just interested. I don't know if she commiserated with anybody, but she was probably just interested in the cause of the demise. A bit macabre when you come to think of it, but it was something that she did. Gertie was a widow with no children. Her apartment was perfect. In the dining room, there was an oak dining table and a glass-fronted case with bone china cups in it and the good dinner service and a tea set. There was a neat little kitchen and a sunroom. Then of course there was the living room, and the living room was the jewel. There was needlepoint on the chair cushions and a framed needlepoint on the wall when you came up the stairs to enter the living room. These were not done by herself; she was not a crafty person. But needlepoint was the accepted feminine art of the day. The mantelpiece had royal Dalton figurines on it. These used to fascinate me as a child. They reflected in the mirror over the mantel, and there were these flowing garments and, and hats and, and being held on against the wind, and these beautiful young ladies in Royal Dalton. A beautiful oriental rug in tones of red and blue lay on the floor. Everything in the room was just as it should be. In the bathroom, on the back of the toilet ledge, there were two rather unusual antique plaster of Paris figures of small boys sitting on chamber pots. One had a broad smile on his face and was labeled, Billy Can. The other was sunk into gloom with a dejected frown on his face. It was labeled, Billy Can't. When my aunt in her elder years was getting ready to go to a home, she was giving away different things and she gave everyone their choice, and I chose Billy can, and Billy can't, and I still have them. My Aunt Gertie was not wealthy. Her husband had died relatively young, and his pension did not keep pace with inflation. I believe she minded children for folks in her elder years and took in boarders. Young males on limited income would occupy the guest bedroom. Some of them worked for Chatham CFCO AM radio station, which was short on pay and long on opportunity and experience. Such as these would also join the Chatham Little Theatre Group of which my mother was the Doyenne. I don't know if these young men stayed in radio. It's a hard place to make a living. Some of these young men were decidedly gay. My aunt, all unaware, referred to them as the dearest boys. I once took some embroidery I was working on and showed it to her proudly. She promptly turned it over and said firmly that someone, presumably an authority, had told her that the back of embroidery should be as neat as the front. I can still hear her voice saying this, too late to rebut because, of course, that is complete nonsense. At the end, and ends are often sad, she was in a home And my mother would visit her there. Mother said to me, Oh, Sonia, it's terrible. She's not even wearing her own clothes and they don't fit. She was so neat. And now it's all messed up. This is Sonia Brock, podcasting from Toronto, Ontario, Canada. I can be reached on the web at soniabrock.com. S-O-N-I-A-B-R-O-C-K dot com. And my mother would visit her there. Mother said to me, Oh, Sonia, it's terrible. She's not even wearing her own clothes, and they don't fit. She was so neat, and now it's all messed up. This is Sonia Brock, podcasting from Toronto, Ontario, Canada. I can be reached on the web at soniabrock.com, S-O-N-I-A-B-R-O-C-K dot com.